Good morning. Good morning. <sighs> Weather's getting better. Yeah. Amen. Well, um, I want to continue in prayer before we, we get into the word. And I want us to be asking our, our two questions, Lord, what do you want to say to me this morning, and how do you want me to respond? Okay, what do you want to say to me this morning, and how do you want to respond? Or how do you want me to respond? So as I uh, open us up in prayer, be asking those questions in our prayer time. And uh, if you're having trouble hearing the Lord lately, you're in a season where you just can't hear anything but your own thoughts, engage the Lord on that in prayer. Lord, give me ears to hear and eyes to see this morning. And um, so would you join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you that we're here. That could be something we overlook. We're here. And uh, so we thank you for that. Lord, uh, we have arrived here with all different kinds of things that we bring into the building, we bring into fellowship with one another, some good, some challenging. And so if we brought some challenges in the room and, and it's causing blockage from us hearing and receiving from you, Lord, would you remove that blockage in Jesus' name? Would you align our hearts and our minds and spirits with yours in such a way that we hear and receive all that you have for us this morning? So we pray your protection over the people here. You, we pray protection over uh, your word and the time. And, and I ask that it would be you that speaks this morning, that it would be you we hear, and that we'd enjoy the ride, that we would leave this place feeling more hopeful, more joyful, more excited uh, than we have in a long time. And we thank you in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we're continuing our journey into Hebrews. And I'm going to ask again, I like to check in. How many of you are enjoying reading through the book of Hebrews? All right. Is it challenging? Yes. Is it repetitive? Yes. Is it challenging? Yes. Right? It's still challenging even though it's repetitive. Now, when something's repetitive, might that signal that we need to pay attention to it? Yes. Right? We need to be told things over and over and over again. It's kind of our nature. And so you're going to hear a little bit of that today. Today I want to talk a little bit about systems. Now, I never heard that word more in my life until I met Mark Spencer. Okay, when I first got to Bridgewood, Mark was going, oh, he's not even here for the joke I'm going to say. What's going on? There he is. Mark, I was just bragging on you. Yeah, I was talking about how you, you talked about systems until I was blue in the face when I first got here. And I said, can we just color or something? Because this system stuff is challenging. Because what we do in our lives, we have systems for things, right? We have structures for everything we do. And for those of you that think, you know, that, that is there anyone here who does not like making plans? You just like to wing it all the time. Anybody like that? Okay. Even us, uh, and I'm there too. Even us, we have systems. Whether you think so or not, you have a system of the way you do things. Winging it is your system, right? That's a system. And these systems can be good, they, they can be healthy, and they can be bad, and they can be unhealthy, but we all have them. And even in our relationship with Jesus, we have systems, right? We have ways in which we, Bridgewood has a system in, which, in ways in which we worship, we approach Jesus, we approach one another. We have systems in our families, right? We have things that we do and our own households, way in which we communicate this and that. So there are systems all over the place. How we communicate to people. And a lot of these systems are learned. 
They're developed by experiences that we have. I grew up with a people-pleasing system. Anyone have those? Right? And so that people-pleasing system would dictate how I would relate to people. In high school, it was, ex- it was really troubling <laughs> to have a people-pleasing system because rejection felt really terrible. Right? So everything, everything that I did, my choices, who I spent time with, what I decided to do was based off that system of making sure everyone around me was pleased with my behavior, whether it was good or bad behavior, it just depended on which people I was relating with. Now, these systems can shoot you in the foot. I, you know, I had a system where I had um, an understanding of what romance was. Anyone got that? Right? I learned mine from 16 Candles. Anyone seen that? Right? Big gestures, little comedic, little humor. Right? You go the nth mile. Man, where I grew up, none of the ladies were into the romance stuff. They wanted the surfer guy. They want, you know, that's what, it, that was my perception. And so I would watch these movies, these romantic comedies and stuff, and, and uh, I, I, wa- I watch romantic comedies. Okay? Anybody else do that? Right? They're funny and they give hope. Right? But the system that you see on these films, they're not real, right? They're fictional. These things don't really happen, but I would take a false system and I would try to apply it to the reality of my life and what I would find in result is that I didn't get the results that I wanted. When I tried to say, hey lady, you are super beautiful, right? Hey gal, you're super beautiful. That's what I got. Well, it worked in the movies. They're like dating. They've got this nice relationship. I thought that would work. I thought, man, I'll just be blunt and I'll say, you are gorgeous. And they go, you are weird. <laughs> and that only feeded my people-pleasing system because now I felt rejection. So now I had to do whatever I needed to do to fix that. And that made it worse, right? No, you don't understand. You're really beautiful. You don't understand. You're super creepy. So our systems can cause frictions when we don't have the right system. And so we're going to go through uh, the first 10 verses in chapter 9 of Hebrews where we'll see the old system of worship in the Hebrew culture. And this system is part of the, the old covenant. And Mark talked about this last week, the new covenant, the promises of God. And he talked about his own personal walk with Jesus and how it was all Jesus fulfilling his promises that transformed his life. Because we live in these old systems, these old covenants, and Jesus comes with a new covenant and frees us from those old systems and presents a better system, the best system. And so I'm going to start us from actually uh, verse 13 in chapter 8. And then we'll head into uh, chapter 9, verses 1 through 10. When God speaks of a new covenant, and listen to this very carefully, it means he has made the first one obsolete. Let me say that again. When God speaks of a new covenant, it means he has made the first one obsolete. It is now out of date and will soon disappear. So the writer of Hebrews is saying, basically, we'll, we'll talk, we'll speak in, as Mark would say, systems, okay? The old system 
God's developing a new one. The old one is what? Obsolete. Wow, that's, okay, there we go. I'm reading over here and it's, all right. Verse one. That first covenant, the one that is what? Obsolete. The first covenant between God and Israel had regulations for worship and a place of worship here on earth. There were two rooms in that tabernacle, the place of worship, the Holy of Holies. The first room was a a lampstand, a table, a sacred loaves of bread on the table. This room was called the holy place. Then there was a curtain, and behind the curtain was the second room called the most holy place. In the room were a gold incense altar and a wooden chest called the Ark of the Covenant. Who's heard of that? Right? We've all heard of that which was covered with gold on all sides. Inside the ark were a gold, jo- a gold jar containing manna, Aaron's staff that sprouted leaves, and the stone tablets of the covenant. Above the ark were the cherubim of divine glory, whose wings stretched out over the ark's cover, the place of atonement. But we cannot explain these things in detail now. Okay, let's stop there, right? We get a lot of detail about some things. And according to the writer, that's not a lot of detail because what does he say? (laughs) We can't go into detail on these things right now. Now, I don't want us to stumble over this. These are all interesting things. But the writer makes it clear this is not the most important thing because I don't have the time to go into detail to this right now because there are more pressing matters at hand. Is that fair to say? All right, so moving on. Uh, verse 6, when these things were all in place, the priests regularly entered the first room as they performed their religious duties. But only the high priest ever entered the most holy place and only once a year. And that would be on the Day of Atonement. And he always offered blood for his own sins and for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. By these regulations, the Holy Spirit revealed that the entrance to the most holy place was not freely open as long as the tabernacle and the system it represented were still in use. So we didn't have free access to the Holy of Holies as long as the old system was in place. And Jesus came to establish a what? A new system so that we could have complete access to him, complete access to the Holy of Holies. Verse 9, this is an illustration pointing to the present time, the time that they are in. For the gifts and sacrifices that the priests offered are not able to cleanse the the uh, consciences of the people who bring them. For the old system deals only with food and drink and various cleansing ceremonies, physical regulations that were in effect only until a better system could be established. And you go, okay, that's a lot of regulation stuff. And when I looked at this passage, I went, yay, I've got this one. You know, you kind of, you look ahead, and I I looked ahead at the other, the verses, and I'm like, I want that one. Can I have 11 through the end? But no, we have this one. And and I prayed about it, and I prayed about it, and I asked the Lord, Lord, what do you want to say? And it only gives us a part one, and then you see in verse 11, it talks about now the new system that's in place. But we hear about the new system from chapters one through eight. So we can take this and we go back and we see that the writer is, remember, we gotta keep this on the forefront of our minds, that the writer is addressing a group of people that, are, that have um, committed to walk with Jesus in the new system, 
And now because of challenges, because of persecution, they want to go back to the old system. So here comes the repetition. The writer's got to say again, spell it out in crayon for them. You know of all of these things I'm explaining to you right now. You know what the holy place and the most holy place is. Now, there's something significant to recognize here. It's the fact that he brought up the most holy of things that you can bring up in that culture and basically dismissed them and said, I don't have time to actually tell you the details about this right now. Wait, what? you mean there's something greater to talk about than what our whole culture is centered on? <laughs> yeah, the new system, everything's gonna be centered on Jesus. Not these things. And so here we've got a culture that has been indoctrinated in one system, that has received Jesus, are experiencing challenges to that new system, and now they want to go back to the old system. Who's done that? Right? Gosh, we do that all the time. We even, as Christians, we go, we're in a new system, so to get used to that new system, let's bring us some things from our old system to help us with the new system. Who's done that? Right? I probably did that yesterday, right? We're in a place where we don't want to be religious people. We want to be God-fearing followers of Christ, people that walk with Jesus. But it's so funny that on our way to want to be unreligious, we make it religious. So we don't know how to separate the two systems because we're so comfortable here. But we want to change, right? We we want to move from that old system, that new system. And we see all kinds of of these old systems in our culture, even when we accept Christ. And here are a couple. What would you say that is? Probably stupid, right? Unwise, risky, certifiable. Oh gosh. Oh man, I, I hope that's photoshopped because that guy's in trouble. That's striking distance, right? He's not getting away, right? How often, how often in our relationship with Jesus, we kind of do this? Anybody other than me? When we ought to be doing this. Who, can, who recognizes this, right? This is from Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. You have chosen wisely. And Jesus, he wants us to move into wisdom and not stupidity, not risking things out of being foolhardy, right? We see this in the church today. Even my my own life, I've done so many stupid things. It would probably fill all the books in the world how many stupid things I've done, okay? But we want to be more like this. What about this? How many of us live in fear? Oh, no, no, everyone's afraid now to raise their hand, right? (laughs) Thank you for participating with my... My example right there, right? We are to be fearless in Christ Jesus in the sense that we entrust. We heard that word trustworthy a couple months ago. He's trustworthy. So what do we have to be afraid of? But we bring fear from our old system into our new system with Christ Jesus when really that's the kind of courage we should have. Now, you could probably say that's stupid too, but my point is you approach fear with faith like a child because you trust When Gracie's afraid of something, she runs to daddy, she trusts that she'll be okay. 
And when you are walking with Jesus in the new system of salvation, of freedom in Christ Jesus, it doesn't matter what's in front of us, we can approach it head on with courage knowing that Jesus is in the midst. Now this might be a popular one. (laughs) Right? Yeah, all the guys are sleeping. It's not to pick on the guys, it was just a great picture. We've become master pew sitters. Masters at it. Our system that we say is the new system has really stopped circulation through our body because we're so good at sitting, we don't walk around and explore the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus as a whole. Okay? This, is, this is a challenge. We get bored. We get tired because we know there's something more, but this is comfortable. You know what? I actually do get to sleep in on Sunday. I'll just sleep at church because the pew is nice. I've sat in it for like 10 years. It's, you know, it's got my imprints in it, and I'll just snuggle in, and boom. But do you know what the new covenant, the new system should look like? And I cried when I saw this picture. This is what it should look like. Drink that in for a minute. That's the new system. That is the new life that we have in Christ Jesus. That's what it looks like taking it. That's what it looks like accepting it. That's what it looks like receiving it. That's what it looks like expressing it. That's what it looks like to just be in it, to envelop yourself in it. to receive the holy embrace of Jesus Christ with faith like a child, reckless abandon, no fear. She's probably three years old and she gets it more than most of us who have been in Christ in 30 plus years. That's not to diminish our relationships, that's just to say this is what it looks like. When Jesus When Jesus offers the new covenant, this is what he wants. Don't block any of these little ones coming from me because unless you come to me with faith like a child, you're really not gonna know me. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? There's freedom right in front of your face, right? How many of us, the inner child in us, in worship wants to go like this? But we're too grown up, so we do this. How many of us want to poke the bear and not be afraid in a healthy way and we go like this? How many of us want to be courageous? How many of us want to step into wisdom, want to step into discernment, but fear keeps us or the comfort of our old system keeps us in a place of taking the freedom that's given to us that we will proclaim but not receive or accept. And we all do it. I do it every day. This is not picking on anyone. This is not shaming anyone. This is talking about the reality. Are there breakthroughs of this? Yes, there are. Are there moments where we accept the freedom in Christ Jesus and that new system that he's given us in the new covenant? Yes, there are. But he wants us to live into it consistently, which is why he has the body so that we can do that together, encourage one another, press, press, uh, encourage one another to press on for the goal, 
And the goal is to live freely in Christ Jesus that he's given us and to accept it. Because Jesus did not call us to get through things. He called us to be free of things. Our old system allows us to get through things. But the new system gives us freedom from those things. For a lot of people today, getting through is a victory because of circumstances, because of the challenges we face. Some days we wake up and I go, God, help me get through the day. Who said that? Lord, I want to get through the day. And as we're growing, sometimes that's a victory. But the goal is to be free from that day. And what I mean by that is this. The Hebrews experienced persecution and they experienced tough challenges. And the writer is saying, don't get through it, be free from it. Does that mean persecution stops? No. But it does mean that Jesus has victory over that persecution. So that persecution no longer calls me to shrink back. It causes me to run forward into it. Because I'm free. There's nothing that can hold me back from running into those places in the name of Jesus Christ and watch them be transformed. Oftentimes, we can be people, even as Christians, that try to get through this life, that try to get through ministry, that try to get through this sermon. I even said it this morning, I was so exhausted. We, uh, Mark and Sharon and I were on a leadership retreat uh, trip this week and there are a lot of travels, meeting a lot of people, and I'm an extrovert, and I was even sick of people. And I woke up this morning, Lord, help me get through this morning. And of course, I'm on 109th, which I call Holy Road. <laughs> and I heard that phrase, I don't want you to get through, I want you to be free from. I want you to step into who I am. And Mark asked me right before I got up, are you, how are you doing, are you good? And I'm like, I'm excited now. Because I believe this is a word for Bridgewood Community Church, that we're not to be a congregation or a church family that gets through anymore on our old systems, but step fully into the uncomfortable but life-transforming new system, new covenant of Jesus Christ. Is it uncomfortable? Yes. Do you remember Easter Sunday when Mark and I were embracing in front of everyone? Very uncomfortable. But it was necessary and freeing at the same time. When you go into a new system, yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable. But we can't shrink back because it is uncomfortable. We had a great time in, in, in Southern California um, at this retreat where we heard uh, a lot of good, good stuff. And it would be stuff we probably haven't, or we've heard before. But when you have a focus on that one thing and you see that that one thing is all that matters, it changes how many times you've heard it and brings it to a place as if you've heard it for the first time. And how do we as the church, how do we as the leaders of the church leave that religious stuff? And what I mean by that is the stuff that doesn't breathe life, but stuff that we bring from the old system into the new system. I am not saying having communion is part of that old system. I am not saying that, but what I am saying is that uh, an example of this is, you know what, Scott, if you're not doing this, you really don't believe in Jesus the way you should. If you're not doing this, Tim. You, you know, you're missing the mark. You're a Christian. You should be handing out tracts. Why aren't you handing out tracts? Man, Jesus is disappointed in you. That's old stuff. And we as leaders in the church, we experienced this week, 
that we do that too to people. Because we ourselves don't understand how to be vulnerable before Jesus, vulnerable before one another, so that we can step in the freedom. Vulnerability means that you've identified freedom and you've stepped into it, and now you can allow your life to be open to Jesus and open to other people, and there's nothing they can do to you. See, we don't share ourselves with one another because we're afraid of what they're going to do with the information or afraid of what they're going to do with what they see. But when you allow Jesus to have full access to your heart, you don't care what they see because you know they're going to see Jesus. Even in the midst of your mistakes or your challenges or what you would call failures, they will see Jesus because you are continuing to press forward into that. It's that leaving the fear of the old system and being courageous to go where Jesus is leading us in the new covenant with Jesus Christ. I don't want to get through anymore. I want to thrive, even with challenges and even on, on down days and down moments. I want to step into the freedom, and it's hard because we feel entitled to our groaning and to uh, giving in to the old things that give us a counterfeit sense of comfort. And I'm going to end with this, and I'm going to give you an example of this. And, you know, when you talk about vulnerability, you get tested with it. Wonderful. Uh, Jamie Carlson asked me this morning, you know, what are a couple things that you took away from your time? And I, he said two, and I had like 20. But one of them that I wanted to say, but didn't have time to say, I'm going to say to you now, one of the things that Jesus wanted me to get freedom from and not just get through was my lasting bit of hiddenness in my own heart. As much as I can be open with people and honest with people, there are things that I will not let people see because that's my hidden place and it's mine. And oh my gosh, can I, Lord God, have one thing that's just mine and not everyone else's? And it was the unhealthy things that I kept because they were the only things that were unexposed. But they weren't breathing life. They weren't doing anything to help me step into freedom. And so, <laughs> this past week for me, and you could probably ask, man, my honesty, I felt, for me, went from way up here to way through the stratosphere with people probably going, you can be quiet now. <laughs> but I brought my old system into my heart thinking I was entitled to something. And when, you, when you're, you're doing whatever kind of work you're doing, whatever kind of call you have, this is my specific call, you're pouring out to people and they have access to everything. I'm very protective of my family because I've seen what can happen in pastoral families when everyone has access to everything in your life, including your family. And it can be damaging sometimes. But I was so afraid. I brought fear from my old system to my relationship with Jesus that there were places in my heart I would keep from people and keep from Jesus, and it was killing me. And that one revelation alone brought healing in me this week. And those hidden things to trusted people, I communicated it to them. And I felt like I took another step into freedom. Another step from just getting through to being free from. And that's what I believe God wants for us. That's what I want for us. It's very hard to go from that side of the room to that side of the room, introduce yourself, right? 
That's a simple thing we can do to take a step from getting through to freedom because Jesus wants us to do this together. Relationships are really hard. Relationship is the only thing that matters in this world because that's what we were formed out of. And if you want to get out of a place of hiddenness, if you want to get out of a place of the old system, then we have to be courageous enough to step into the invitation Jesus has for us and do things that are uncomfortable to us, and then you become comfortable. Isn't that weird how that works? Wow, well, you know, I practice something, and guess what? I get better at it. Right? <laughs> but we have to encourage one another to do that. One of the things that I walked away with that was just so wonderful is that we've had a lot of people from the ARC, the uh, network we're a part of, uh, worship with us. We've had several of them. Many of you remember Mike Bradley and Robert Walter, and we've had Eric Bloom, Graham Sellers here, all this. And we were hanging out with those people. And when we got there, Bridgewood Community Church was held an example of what intimacy and vulnerability looks like. That every church there was trying to get to. How many conversations did we have with people asking us, how are you doing it? I don't know. But we do know. What we've done here, what we've all done together is pressed into that discomfort of being known and allowed ourselves to be known so that we can step into the freedom. And it's going to be hard, but we're going to keep doing it because guess what? It's not just changing lives here. It's changing kingdom lives. Kingdom lives. We're not just a community church in the sense of our geography, but we are a community church in the kingdom of God, and people who are leaders of churches are now going, how do I get what they have? Easy. Practice allowing yourselves to be loved by God, and then you'll experience the freedom of God. Instead of practicing all the doing stuff, practice the receiving stuff, and you're going to see something transform. So when we, th- when we think about a passage of, oh, I don't want to do it, there's more life into those areas than we think. So today is about moving from the old system and receiving the new system in Jesus Christ. Because I want to look like that. That's how I want to be. I don't know about you, but I want to be like this. I want my innocence restored. I want my joy restored. I want my fearlessness restored. Don't you? Lord, we... I don't want to just be like this little girl. I want to be like you in that girl. In Jesus' name. We've walked so long in these patterns. And, and a lot of these patterns are not healthy, Jesus, and you know that. And you want the best for us. And the best for us is to step fully into you and to receive and accept that you love us. That's really where it starts because everything else is out of that. If we don't know that we're loved, we're in big trouble. And so I pray in Jesus' name that today we would not leave this place without knowing that we are loved by you. And I don't mean, I don't mean intellectually no, but emotionally and spiritually no and receive. I just thank you, God. I, I, I thank you. And so what we're going to do, Lord, we're, I ask you to just give us a, a courage as the, the offering comes by to continue to step into you. You're blessing us so greatly. We want to continue to give back to you. But I want this to be a time, Jesus, of, 
um, as we go into worship, that we would just, we would no longer be that straight jacketed worshiper, but we would allow our hearts to be open, to uh, be fearless in worship. And, and maybe that's just us sitting down. Maybe it's not fully running through the aisles with our hands up. Maybe it's just us sitting down and simply posturing ourselves to receive what you have for us. But whatever it is, we pray against fear in Jesus' name. We pray against shame in Jesus' name. We pray against that numb feeling we may have in Jesus' name. And I ask that in the name of Jesus that you would ignite us with the holy fire of the Holy Spirit, that we would step fully into your presence, that we wouldn't leave this place until you tell us to leave this place. And I don't mean this physical building, but in your presence that we would stay there and we would receive the over overflowing of the glory of God that we would know when we're in you, we are in the most holy place. We are in the holy of holies. So we thank you, Jesus. And for those of you that are in a place right now where you believe in Jesus, but you haven't received Jesus, I want to invite you, we got prayer teams, and if you want to accept, and I don't mean this in the traditional evangelistic kind of way, I mean moving from just believing and fully receiving Jesus, if that's you, I want to encourage you to pray into that, and we'll have prayer teams that will lead you into uh, the steps of, of how to really engage Jesus in salvation. I want to give that invitation to any of you that are feeling that because there are people that have sat in church for years and years and years and haven't received the fact that they are furiously, relentlessly loved by God. And to me, when I say I believe in Jesus Christ, I don't just believe he lived and died. I believe that he loves me furiously and relentlessly and I will follow and walk with him because of that. That's what I mean. And that's what we mean when we say, do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe that you are fiercely and relentlessly loved by God? So Lord, if that's us and whatever needs we may have, give us courage to step into that. So we just thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.